Hi, everybody. It's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome or welcome back to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. I know how fast did this year go. I remember at the beginning of the year thinking, Thanksgiving weekend will be the final weekend. I'm like, wow, this like came a lot faster than I was thinking, at least for me. I don't know, I don't know about for you guys, but as we come to the end of this journey in Romans, I thought it would be appropriate to pause and, and consider again just the significance of this letter and the impact that it, it has had. I mean, it's no exaggeration to say that the letter to the Romans has turned the world upside down. And we could, we could talk about Augustine. We could go all the way back to him and the impact that, that Romans had on him. We could talk about John Wesley. But who I want to spend a few moments think, thinking about this morning is Martin Luther. So a young monk 500 years ago who experienced a personal reformation because of his reading of the book of Romans. If you know anything about Martin Luther's story, he was tormented as a monk. He, he, he wanted to be a monk to, to please the Lord, but he was tormented with his awareness that there was no way for him to live up to God's expectations. And I, I wonder if maybe some of you, someone might be there this morning, your, yourself, where you're, you're so aware that you can't live up to what a holy and righteous and perfect God would want for you. And, and when, when we recognize the holiness of God and how not holy we are, there's such a gap there that it is tormenting until we experience the solution that God has offered to, to bridge that gap. And Martin Luther discovered that solution in Romans 1.17, which has been our key verse. It is the key verse of Romans, a quotation from Habakkuk 2.4. And we couldn't finish this series without doing a little quiz to have you guys fill in the blanks again. I want to make sure that you go away from from this study with at least this verse in your mind. So I'll get you started. The one who by is shall. All right, awesome. Okay, good. So at least some of you have that in your head. The one who by faith is righteous shall live. So Martin Luther discovered that it is possible to be right with God or to be righteous but the path to being right and righteous before God is by faith, not by performance. So we live in a culture that says that we, we need to earn our way and we, we need to get it right. And, and even that's what every other religion teaches is that if you can get the steps right, then, then you can be right with God. And the, the truth of the gospel is that there was only one whose performance was perfect in God's sight, and that was Jesus Christ. 
and we put our faith in him to be right with God. So Martin Luther came across this verse, and it didn't immediately dawn on him. And in fact, as we read biographies of him, they tell us that he pounded on this verse. I love that. He, he pounded on it. And it's a, it's a beautiful example for us as we encounter things in Scripture, as we encounter truths that are hard for us to wrap our minds around. We may say, wow, that sounds really good, or maybe it doesn't sound good to us. And we're like, man, it just I, I have a hard time just getting that from my head to my heart. Martin Luther's example for us is to pound on it. Just stay with it. Pray over it. Look up the words. Try to understand more deeply and, and ultimately ask God to open it up to us. Because that's what he did for Martin Luther. He opened it up. He opened up his understanding to something that he had not been taught in his church, but God opened up the scripture for him to understand. And that led to then that personal reformation, that transformation that happened inside of him led to a broader reformation. And he, Martin Luther, we should know, did not, he, he was a monk in the Catholic church. He was not looking to to create a big fuss with the Catholic Church. He wanted to see a reformation within the Catholic Church. He wasn't looking to go off and start his own thing. But as it turned out, there wasn't a receptivity at that point to what he was saying. So he did need to go off and do his own thing. And the, the, the history of being a Protestant uh, has its own set of issues. So we haven't always handled that perfectly well, but, but what Martin Luther did give to us was a renewal of Paul's understanding of how to be right with God. Even, even people with no faith, even people with no connection to church have, have had their lives massively impacted by what happened through Martin Luther. F.F. Bruce says this, the doctrine of justification, so being right with God by faith, is a bastion of freedom in lands most influenced by the Reformation. And democracy was one of the results. So democracy as we know it is directly impacted by Romans 117 and everything that has flowed from that. That's the power of the gospel at work in our, our world. And so we've been up close and personal to that gospel for the last 11 months. And so as we bring that to a close here today, if, if you happen to be here for the first time, no worries, because I'm going to give you just a brief recap of what we've talked about. And then we're going to look at the final verses in Romans that plant two thoughts in our minds so that this letter that has changed the world can continue to be transformative in our hearts. If you would turn with me to Romans chapter 16, we're gonna see all of that here. As you're turning there, I do want to, to kind of recap 
what we've, we've talked about. And as, as we do that, I want to just remind you of the artwork. So if you've been here, we've had different artwork. We divided this series into four seasons because it's such a long, long series. And we didn't want everybody getting bored with all of it. But so, so the idea was that as things that you're watching on Netflix or Amazon, they have series like our seasons. Romans has seasons. So you can go back now and you can binge watch uh, the all of Romans starting, you know, you can just do a season at a time if you want. It's right all there on our, our uh, YouTube channel. Um, season one was a, was a sobering start to the series. It's the righteousness of God revealed in universal condemnation. So it's, it's bad news that every single one of us is unable to live up to God's standards. And so we spent uh, a couple of months on that, um, seeing how holy God is and how not holy we are. And it's interesting, I didn't realize this with this artwork until someone pointed it out when the season was done, that it looks like this person may be in dire distress and drowning. And uh, anyway, yeah, I guess none of you thought that. But anyway, so then we moved on to uh, season two, which was much better news. The righteousness of God revealed in accessible salvation. So whereas we're all subject to universal condemnation before God, we all have available to us accessible salvation made available because of the sacrifice of Christ. And we saw the, the progression uh, from, and these are all big theological words, but justification, being right with God, to sanctification, living right before God, and then the hope of glorification, that one day we will be made perfect and all of our bent towards sin will be taken away. And that is the promise that we see in Romans chapter eight, kind of the high point of, of the whole book. Season three is the righteousness of God revealed in special election. So we looked at God's pattern throughout history of choosing a remnant of people to, to be his people. And notably, the, the Jewish people and how God's not finished working with them yet. Some of the, some of the toughest theology is there in season three, chapters nine to 11. And the last few months we've been in season four, the righteousness of God revealed in personal transformation. So what God is doing in us to change us, there's a lot of, of beliefs and doctrine in chapters one through 11. And then we talked about what does that look like? How, does, how do we live that out in our, in our lives? Introduced by Romans 12, one and two, those those tremendous hinge verses that transition us from belief to behavior. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Grasp how amazing this is because the whole first part of Romans is telling us how we are not holy. But in Christ, we can offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, that which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Man, all good stuff. But we've already dealt with that, so you can go back and watch that. We can't spend any more time on that. It's no exaggeration 
to call this book Monumental. So it's Paul's longest letter, has his longest introduction, has his longest greetings at the end. How does one land the plane after traversing such holy ground? Well, he ends it with a warning and with worship. So we'll look at the warning first. Chapter 16, verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. Paul knows that there is this constant danger of people infiltrating the community of faith with false teaching. And so his warning is to guard the gospel. Guard the gospel. This is his first mention of this in in the letter. Um, So apparently for the Romans, it's not an issue yet, um, although he's very clear about it. In other letters, for example, Galatians, Chapter one, verse six, he says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. See, Paul is countering, throughout Romans, Paul is is countering this, this distortion that salvation is through performance. And Paul counters that with the truth of saying salvation is not through performance, but through a person. It's not through something we do, it's through someone we we know. Our performance, our our performance is sabotaged by our, our deepest problem, which is sin. Sin is a part of us by our nature, And then because it's part of us by our nature, we make choices to sin. And so we are unable to fix that deepest problem ourselves. We need someone outside of ourselves. We need Christ. It's only by faith in Christ, what Christ has done, that we are saved from God's judgment. And that is the gospel. So there are lots of distortions of that gospel in the world. Some um, downplay the seriousness of sin and just kind of say, yeah, it's not, it's not really that bad. God's not really that, that holy. Or some, some say, some distortions say that we're able to, to fix it our, ourselves. And Paul warns us to guard the gospel. How do we do that? Well, verse 17 He says, I appeal to you to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. So we guard guard the gospel by countering, we we, we don't allow doctrine, uh, we don't allow teaching contrary to the doctrine that we have been taught. We, we need to know the real thing so that we can recognize the false thing. This is, by the way, how, how bank tellers are trained to recognize counterfeits, right? They, they don't spend a lot of time looking at examples of counterfeits. They look at the real thing and they hold it up to the light and they smell it and they feel it 
And that way they get so familiar with what is real that they will be able to recognize when something comes through that is not real. And so it should be for us. We, we need to guard the gospel personally by, by taking it in daily, by, by exposing ourselves to what is true. We, we, if, if we're not spending more time with what is true, then we're taking in what is false and distorted, then I, I don't think we have to think too hard about where that's going to end up for us. We, we, we need to spend time in what is, what is true. We need to guard the gospel personally. We need to guard the gospel in our community of, of faith. And so a few weeks ago, our elders were on a retreat and we're reading through a book about how to be better elders, how to be better shepherds of, of the flock here at, at Grace Point. And one of the things we were talking about was this very idea of how do we guard our doctrine. And one of the elders told a story. Some of you know him, uh, Dave Neller, his wife. It's Kyoko from Japan. Kyoko's church where she grew up in Japan was like an extraordinary church there in Japan. It was over 500 people, which when you compare, like most churches in Japan are maybe like 30 people, maybe 50. And so this was, this was an extraordinarily thriving church. And what happened, long story short, was in, in one of the small groups, they started studying some doctrine that was not in line with the Bible. And it started spreading to other small groups. They were kind of sharing it with, with others. And by the time the elders kind of recognized what was going on and, and, and kind of addressed it, it was too late, and a bunch of people were like, yeah, you're not going to tell us what to do, and they, they left. And so the church went from 500 to less than 300. And that may not have all been a bad thing, because sometimes God uses that to sift out, but it, it just gave us pause as elders to say, we want to be, be careful about the doctrine that's being taught in, in our church, and even the doctrine that's happening in our small groups and mentoring groups, um, because we want to be protective of that, because Paul said, um, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that, that we've been, been taught. We need to guard against the damage that that false teaching brings. He goes on to talk about that in verse 18. For such persons are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience, Romans, is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. And then he, then he says something to, to remind us that there is more going on that meets our eye. And when there's division, when there's false teaching, there's more going on. There's a spiritual battle going on. Verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. That, that's a wonderful, hopeful promise right there. The God of peace will soon crush Satan, under your feet. This is God allowing his people to be part of overcoming the evil one. So that's good news. And he says soon, he will soon crush Satan. So we pray that that will be the case. May, may, 
May he crush Satan under our feet, even as we're walking through our ordinary days. May we be aware of the spiritual battle and and be walking in the strength of Christ so that he can be crushed under our feet. And may he be crushed for, for good soon, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. All right, so, so Paul's first word that he wants to leave with us is a word of warning. And now he turns to a few brief greetings. If you were here last week, Paul, Paul's, uh, Paul's greetings were to people there in Rome. Now these are greetings from people that Paul is with. So verse 21, he says, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. Verse 22, I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. I'll just pause there and just say, that's, that's really fun. That Tertius, who is the scribe that's writing this, can you imagine the work of like Paul is just dictating this and probably at points he's just like, you know, just like going at Paul speed. And so Tertius is like madly scrambling this down. He's the only scribe mentioned for any of Paul's letters. So this is kind of fun that he gets to, gets to get a call out of his own here in verse 22. Verse 23, Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cortus greet you. And I don't have time uh, to go into it, but Erastus, there is a, uh, there, there's a, an inscription in the city of Ephesus to Erastus. It's probably the same one, so it's kind of fun to see the archeological evidence for this letter. All right, now we come to the closing words of, of Romans, and we have here a doxology again. If you were here way back in chapter 11, chapter 11 ended with a doxology, and I explained what that means. So dox, doxos is the word for glory, and then logos is the word for Words. So words about glory. It's kind of like biology. I used that example before. So biology is words about life because bio is life. So doxology is words about glory. And so as we end chapter 11, we have, uh, I'm sorry, as we end chapter 16, we have words about glory. And listen, listen as I read this to the phrases that start with according to. Three times we will hear according to, and that's what we're gonna unpack here for, for just a moment. Verse 25, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. That's a mouthful. According to, there's the third one, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. So the final two lessons of the book of Romans are to guard the gospel and to give God glory. And this doxology, we don't have time to do a lot of this in detail, but I wanna quickly show you how this is just a really beautiful bookend to the introduction all the way back in verse one. There's 
similar themes that, that show up. It's kind of like if, if Romans were written all on one big, long scroll, you would fold it in half, and the end kind of just brings closure to the beginning. So I want to give you a sense of that as we, as we end here. All right, so verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, and I'll pause there because then he's going to give these three according to phrases. Now to him who is able to strengthen you. And I just, I want to pause there because as we're ending Romans, Paul is very aware that you and I are, are going to need strength. We, we need strength because we are weak and because the world is harsh. I mean, the world is a, it's a difficult place to live. They're, they're gonna be, we're going to face all kinds of difficulties and, and in our weakness. We may not face them very well. So he says, he talks about him who is able to strengthen you. And then he gives three phrases about how he's going to do that. The first is, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. So we've been talking about the, the gospel and how central that is. If we go back to chapter one and look at verses one and 16, he's, he introduces it right off the bat. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And then many of you are familiar with verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So the, the gospel is the power of God for those who do not yet believe. It's the power to bring, bring us into salvation, to bring us life. And so if you're here this morning and you have never embraced that gospel for yourself, make this your day. I mean, don't, don't go out of these doors without saying, I can't do it myself. I've tried I, I'm not going to put my faith anymore in my performance and put my faith in a person, in Jesus. We, we would love to pray with you at the end of the service, or you don't even have to wait. You can pray right now. The gospel is for those who don't yet believe. The gospel is also for those of us who do believe because it gives us strength to carry out Christ's mission and to face the opposition that we will, will face, the spiritual opposition for sure. That's the first according to, according to the gospel. The second according to starts there in verse 25, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. This again, this kind of calls back to Romans 1. He, Paul said he was set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture. So Paul was very intent on saying, none of this is new. This is all consistent with what has been taught for centuries. And he wanted to bring that continuity. He also, there's another phrase here, uh, in case you didn't catch it here, that we've been highlighting in very recent weeks, having to do with all, all nations. So the prophetic writings have been made known to all nations. And so back to Romans 1, he said, Paul said, we've received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith 
for the sake of his name among all nations. Huge theme throughout the book, good news, because most of us are not of Jewish descent. So we're thankful that God opened the door for for all of us. The last, according to, is in verse 26, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. And so, again, back to Romans 1, that same exact phrase begins the book. We've received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. And again, this this phrase is a beautiful summary of of the message of, of Romans. We are made right with God, not by works, but by faith. And then our works flow from that faith. And God. Another way to say this is we're not saved by good works, but we're saved to good works. So God has intent for us. He has planned for us good works to do, but we don't do them to try to get into favor with him. We do them after we have come into favor with him by means of Jesus. William Tyndale captured this really well in his prologue to the epistle of the Romans. Tyndale was a contemporary of Martin Luther, and he wrote this. I thought this was worth sharing. He he said, this is kind of a summary of the book of, of Romans. First, behold yourself diligently in the law of God and see there your just damnation. Another, a heavier word even than condemnation, but but we see that reflected in Romans. Secondarily, turn your eyes to Christ and see there the exceeding mercy of your most kind and loving Father. Thirdly, remember that Christ made not this atonement that you should anger God again. Neither did he die for your sins that you should still live in them. Neither did he cleanse you that you should return as a swine unto your old puddle again. Love that. But that you should be a new creature and live a new life after the will of God and not of the flesh. That's what Romans calls us to. Paul started the doxology in verse 25 with now to him. Now to him who is able to strengthen you. And then he kind of runs on about some other things that are all really important, but he returns to the blessing and the praise in verse 27. Now to him, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Glory to God for his wisdom in conceiving such an amazing plan of salvation. And glory to God for his grace and kindness lavished on us who are so, so undeserving. Guard the gospel and give God glory. So what do we do with this? We we should be a student and we should be a worshiper. We should be a student of the gospel so that we recognize the real thing when we come up against distortions. And so... This is where it's, it's a good reminder to us to be in, in the word every day. So Sharon mentioned earlier an opportunity specifically for, for ladies that's coming around again. 
will be the, the daily, uh, the Bible recap starting at the first of the year. And so that's, that's one option. Another option that I like to frequently plug is just the one-year Bible. This is a very old version, so it doesn't look like this anymore. But I have used this to read through the Bible I'd probably 20 times or more. I don't, I don't know. I just start it over again each year. And it's so good to kind of, it, it gives a portion of the Old Testament, the New Testament, a Psalm, and a Proverb. So by the end of the year, you have read through the, the entire Bible. It takes about 15 minutes a day. Makes a great Christmas gift, okay? So I'm not, I, I mean, I'm not getting any kickback for this, but I've, I've heard it's, it's fun because over the years as I've, as I've kind of plugged this at this time of year, I've heard of people giving one to their family member and how then they have then read through the Bible the following year for the first time ever. So that's something to keep in mind. We want to, be a student of the gospel so we can guard it and know it. And then be a worshiper. Give God glory. Give God thanks for his goodness. Give God thanks for what you have learned in Romans. And so that's where this little card comes in. And so we're going to spend a little more time here at the end now worshiping with several, several songs. We're going to have a little bit of an extended closing time here starting with the doxology. Um, but what I would invite you to do as we do this is take that card. If you don't have a pen, uh, there's a couple of tables right at the back doors with pens on. You can go back there and, uh, and grab one of those. But just to reflect on what, what has, what's God taught you, what's maybe a major takeaway if you've been with us this year? What's a major takeaway from Romans? Uh, maybe you've not been with us and you're, you're here for the holiday weekend, but you've looked at Romans before, or maybe you just want to write down something you're thankful for. It has nothing to do with Romans. Any of that's okay. Here's what we're going to do with those. As, as the band's up here singing, and as we're worshiping together, giving God glory, we've got two boxes here that are kind of gift boxes for you to bring this and drop it in. And you can put your name on this or not. You can make it anonymous or not. But what we're going to do then with these cards is we're going to put them on a board and have them out in the, in the hallway uh, for, the, for this next month for people to kind of read and get encouraged by what, what did other people learn and take away from Romans. We're celebrating the gift. We're, we're giving God glory for what he's done, what he's taught us, how he's, he's changed us. So... Uh, that's available. If you need a pen, you can go back. We're going to start to sing. I'm going to pray, and, um, and then we will, we will worship together. Father, thank you for the gift of, of Romans. Thank you for the gift of your word. God, thanks for its transforming power. I can think of multiple verses uh, from the book of Romans that over the years you have used to mold and reshape and transform my mind and and subsequently transform my, my actions. So Lord, I pray that you have been doing that and that you will continue to do that, Lord, in the lives of the people in this room. And even as we pause to, to remember what you've taught us this year, Lord, may that cement, help to cement in our minds and hearts um, what you have wanted to do in, in us. Lord, we, we do, we, we wanna give you 
you. Lord, we wanna guard your gospel. God, it's so, it's so beautiful. I know it's dangerous, it's hard, it's, it grates against our human nature to trust someone else to do something that we wanna do for ourselves. But Lord, help us to guard it. It's, it's beautiful, it's freeing when, when we grasp your love and your grace toward us. And then, God, we wanna give you glory because you are so worthy. You, you have given us gifts that are, are, we are so undeserving of. And so we just wanna lift up your name. We wanna celebrate your wisdom and your kindness, your sacrifice of doing for us what we could never do ourselves. Jesus, of you coming and being willing to give your life and to die for us, um, that, that's amazing love. How can it be that our God would die for us? So Lord, um, stir in our hearts now and uh, keep us stirred for you, we pray in Jesus' name.